cool we are live let me invite Divya hello hello <laughs> oh my god okay amazing second episode is out how do you feel I'm excited and happy um yeah, it's been cool. Um, I was a bit nervous about this episode coming out because for obvious reasons, especially yeah. we all know the stigma and taboo about sex in the brown community. So I was a little bit wary mm -hmm. about this one coming out, but I'm excited and so far so good. My parents haven't listened. So we're, <laughs> we're how about you? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm I'm also feeling very nervous. Um yeah, I think I think the stuff that we talked about was thing were things which needed to be said and people do need to um be able to openly discuss these things. But because right now we live in a society where it's taboo, um I was sort of thinking like if I was listening to this podcast, would I be able to listen to it at home? And I was like, maybe now, yeah, because I have earphones, but otherwise like nah. And if I have like a joint family Spotify, I was like, nah, never. Oh my so. god, I know imagine imagine just having your shared spotify and then your fam just come and be like what is why do you want to know about sex education <laughs> um i don't know if you're able to hear this tell me if you can i just wanted to play this okay <laughs> okay sorry i just had to <laughs> i wish we had that i wish copyright wasn't a problem and we could have just had that as like the intro just for this episode you know yeah. <laughs> it's such a fun bop as well it's like yeah but um, I remember yeah again when I was younger this song is like so old I remember I was watching I think it was Pitch Perfect with my parents and they were having like that um I forgot they called it but like they uh riff off I don't know no 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 you know how in Hindi it's like a game called Andakshri where you like finish off a song but then someone has to start with the same word oh yeah okay okay yeah, it was that. And like they started singing about sex and I was like, oh my God. And this song came and I was like, I love this song, but I have to pretend I don't know it because my parents are here. <laughs> oh my God. Also, I love your earrings. I feel like it's very matching the vibe today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, what were your feelings afterwards? Was there anything that you like post episode release realized that there was something that you missed? Yeah, well, um, yeah, we did post about it earlier today and I, I definitely missed that. I feel I feel like because also this is just the podcast experience, I guess, where you talk naturally on the podcast and sometimes you just lose your train of thought and afterwards you're like, oh, I should have said that. Like, that's what I meant. Um, so one of the things I forgot to say is at the end you asked me, um, um, uh, you know, were you always comfortable talking about this? Or like what made you comfortable talking about it? And one of like one of the answers I gave was like, oh, it's because I want the next generation to feel comfortable as well. And the reason for that was because we like our last episode was on dating. Right. And in the dating episode, we talked about how brown families are not always OK with dating. And so often we have to hide. We have to hide whole ass relationships from them. Like no one can know I have a boyfriend. Um, so then it's sort of like if no one knows I have a boyfriend, but I have one and I want to get intimate with him. You don't do it at home. You lie to your parents and you go somewhere else. And then what happens if you find yourself in a dangerous situation? Or what happens if, God forbid, but something bad happens? You, you don't want your parents to know. You don't want your parents to find out. So 
you have no avenue for support. You can't tell, you don't have a safe space at home. You can't tell anyone, you can't report it because what if it goes back to your parents, especially if you're under 18? Like it's, it's a struggle. Um, that's one I of the things with, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I, I think I've been lucky enough to kind of have a relationship with my family where I feel open and things to tell them. But like, I don't know, just safety is such a concern. And I think going off what we kind of talked about last um, episode about, um, what is it? Uh, like, whether your parents should know if you're dating someone or not. Uh, mm. Like, with this as well, especially when you're getting into the intimate aspects of a relationship, you know, there are things that, I mean, of course, no one wants to like disclose everything to their family, but <laughs> yeah. if that happens, you should be able to like talk to someone um, and feel safe with them. And, and because this is the thing, like, I feel, I don't know. I just know like the fear of getting pregnant for brown, for brown girls is like next level. Like it is yeah. for anyone who doesn't really anticipate or want a child right now. It's, it's scary, but for brown girls, like, Oh my God, the idea of getting pregnant and then having to disclose to your parents that this is like, it's just, I just think of the showroom and it's so mm -hmm. much like, fear about it so I don't know I I do think that's something we want to progress in but we also want people to be educated because we know that that's not realistic you know like you can't convert your parent to suddenly be open to talking about sex and if that's just you know some people just also don't want to even if their parents were like they would be like okay I'm not talking to you of all people about it so yeah. we just we wanted to have at least a conversation within the brown community about it and at least so people can kind of know that their experiences are valid anyway yeah. yeah for sure i think that that's one of the things which um uh, is important to mention why did we choose this topic we both know it's taboo we both know that not many people talk about it not many people want or like feel comfortable talking about it so why did we choose this topic um and yeah i think i mean what you said is exactly exactly why um because we need that safe space we need people to talk about it so that um yeah so that uh young brown men and women and you know everyone has that space to to feel safe and to if something bad happens you can talk about it even if it's a, like whatever your experience is if you're unsure about something like we said like sex ed in school is hopeless so it's like what happens if you you do something and you're like you were unsure about it you're not even sure if you're doing the right thing like who do you ask where do you go and family should always be safer than strangers on the internet yes like and I don't know, I mean, just speaking from my experience and then probably for you as well, it's most likely that we've also outsourced our knowledge from places like podcasts or from media outlets. Like I remember I used to watch just YouTube videos where girls would like talk about it. They'd be like yeah. kind of intimate girl talk. And I felt like safe and comfortable for like girls to share um, their experiences. And this is open for everyone really, boys, girls. Yeah people anyone um because i think it's so like it, we can't really always depend on the education curriculum we can we can ask for some change um yeah. and ask for more com comfort with talking about it and hopefully it has changed so if anyone is still at school and has any recent experiences with sex ed let us know if, if you've learned about consent or pleasure or anything like that it would be good to you know you make us feel so old <laughs> like for anyone who's still in school like in times of change 
I know, and Davis gonna be like, "Oh my god!" So she's thinking that she's like so beyond schooling years. She'll be like, "Girl, I'm like three years old." Like what? <laughs> no, um, but yeah. Also, I think last episode. I mean, I I think another perspective to comment this at is from a perspective of a concerned parent, right? Um, like we said in the la- in the dating episode. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, like like we said in the dating episode. Um parents don't always want their kids to get into a relationship because they want to protect their kid and be like, Oh, you know, I mean, I don't know what they're, I can't really imagine why, but they, they think like, you know, the world is a scary place and we want to protect our kid. Um, and so that's why they stop the, like they put like restrictions on their kid dating, but then what ends up happening is the kid dates anyway, and then hides it from their parent. Right. And I think the same applies to sex. You can teach your kid abstinence. You can, but how can you guarantee that they're actually going to, like, there is no guarantee that they're going to stay at, like, if a kid wants to do it, they're going to do it. <laughs> they'll find a hotel, they'll find a car park, they'll find someplace. Yeah, no, they will. I mean, and and I think, I, I mean, we found that it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I've heard that people who were taught abstinence, like, end up having, you know, uh, unplanned pregnancies more often because they don't actually know anything about contraception how to do it safely um so yeah i don't know i the whole abstinence thing just doesn't sit right with me um but obviously to each their own right but i think just being informed of like what is required when you do intercourse is important I just wanted to mention a comment that someone had said about hope you do want on being gay someday. Um, we really, really do want to. Unfortunately, the six episodes we've recorded haven't really um, been on that experience. And I think we were talking about this, Divya, um, recently, yeah. about the importance of not trying to speak on other people's behalf. I think that that mm-hmm. would be really inappropriate. And just... Um, poor representation so we definitely if we can do more episodes um we definitely want to actually talk to um some queer or non-binary identifying people and sorry (laughs) kind of just talk about um their experience especially how that intersects with indian culture or desi culture so yeah Mm -hmm. is there anything you want to add on that divya no i think you're right um i also saw that comment and um I definitely think it is important. And of course, a queer person or a non-heterosexual person's um, experience with sex ed and dating and all these things will be different to the ones we've had. And I think that just goes to show that we can't we can't talk on their behalf. Um, if we try to, I mean, I'm sure both of us are very supportive and, um, you know, of course, we would love to talk about it. But at the same time, it's not really our place. And we don't want to take up that space which belongs to someone else. Um, so if, if we get, you know, if we get to do more episodes, um, and if we get like maybe some guests who, who can share their experiences would love to, but at the moment, I think it's just, if it's just me and you, then possibly not the most appropriate idea. Yeah. But in the still, like, I would love for, um, those people to also share their experience, um, especially how that, you know, how sex education kind of, I definitely, we briefly mentioned it in the podcast, but how it fails, um, you know, non-binary people and like homosexual people, anyone uh, who just doesn't identify with the heterosexual cisgendered norm, you know, Mm. it fails those people. So I think that that's definitely an issue. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, talking about, oh, sorry. 
Oh, okay. Tanvi's gone. <laughs> well, while she's gone, um, just talking about why it's also important. Um, I would say, I, I was also thinking about this, Tanvi's back, thank God. Um, I was also thinking about like dating and sex ed. And I was thinking about from a kid's perspective, right? I can only go back in time and again, like reflect on my experiences. But when someone tells me not to do something, and also, as we said, people have different levels of maturity, right? There are some really mature 12 year olds. Like I was thinking about, you know, Greta Thunberg. I was like, God damn, that girl is amazing. <laughs> but then you find people who are the same age as her and you're like, oh my God, this, oh, this also, kid is a kid. Huh? Or our, or our age. And they like, you know what I mean? They're not like people just aren't mature enough. Okay. There are 30 year olds who are less mature than Greta. Okay. So uh, yeah. anyway, um, but yes, people have different levels of maturity and things. Um, but I like to think that I was a fairly mature young person. Um, so whenever someone told me, you can't do this, you can't do that, and it's because we're protecting you, and it's because you're not old enough to understand these things, it made me feel looked down upon. It. And it sort of made me feel like I had no agency, I had no voice in my own life. Um, and so, of course, that's what caused me, and I'm sure other brown kids and other kids in general, to rebel. <laughs> um, so that's what you want to avoid as parents, as teachers, as, as older people. We want to avoid um, looking down on kids and making them feel small and claustrophobic so that they have to, like, act out. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that's why it's important to talk about these things. Um, no, but talking about sex ed, so... One of the things we briefly mentioned in the episode is this idea about virginity. Um, Thumbi, do you want to do you want to say your experience about like when were you taught about this and what did you first think about it? I don't know. I think I I don't know. I knew of the um, idea of virginity and things like that, but I I think I learned about it kind of being made up in a way. Like I I genuinely thought that it was like a thing I don't know what I mean like you know what I mean like there's some differentiation between a virgin and a non-virgin you know what I mean yeah um and then I think I like maybe when I was 13 14 and I was like just on YouTube I think someone's like oh yeah like virginity is like a social contract you've just kind of made it mm-hmm. I guess I don't I don't like to make it harder for people to be open about their sexual experiences and things like that it's such a weird Thing. like I don't know like I can't even understand it in the archaic days like I don't know what they were doing then really mm. what the point of it is but I mean I get it's like people place a lot of value on that and I think though it's concerning because it's really emphasized on women it's really emphasized on um their value and and that's the thing like people can now be like oh we don't associate you know virginity as value like we're cool now but you do because you associate like body counts and things as impureness or Mm -hmm. uh, like something dirty or wrong or immoral about someone so you do have this association of less being better and more being worse you know um in terms of sexual partners so even though we can say, oh, we know virginity is a social construct, if we still kind of look down upon people who have slept around and slept around or have a high body count and we're like, oh my God, they're this, they're that, I don't think that we've really shed that kind of um, perception of the world. What are, what are your thoughts, though, on it? Before I say my thoughts, you said something really interesting. You said when you were introduced to it, you were introduced to the idea of virginity as being, I think you said made up or something. What, what do you mean by that? 
I meant I, I I knew about virginity, right? And then mm. I learned later that it was kind of like a made up concept. Like it wasn't oh, yeah. something that um was I, I think I just knew I was like, oh, like a virgin. Probably I don't really understand it. I think I just watched like TV shows or whatever and they're like, I think I knew yeah. a virgin. And I didn't really <laughs> know what the fuck that meant. I was like, cool, okay. Um Yeah. Um, and I just remember laughing. I, I think this is so bad. There's like a news reporter named Virginia something on the <laughs> and I used to be like, oh my God, that must be so embarrassing. Her name's Virginia. Like, I'm so bad. That literally in year six, I swear we all would just like laugh. Like, haha, her name is Virginia. Anyway, so irrelevant. <laughs> but I, that's, that was my, that was the extent of my knowledge about the word. I just yeah. knew that like a ooh, word, but. Mm-hmm. And then I learned that it's just like not actually a real thing. Like you're not any different when you're a virgin or a not virgin. It's just like the mm-hmm. idea of undergoing sex undergoing. That sounds like a procedure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think um so I think what reflecting on, you know, this idea of virginity, I feel like our language around sex and around virginity Yeah, virginity, I feel like the more times I say it, it loses its meaning. But anyway, um the language we use really needs to change because right now um, it's still common to think of like a virgin as pure and as innocent and as like all these things. And I, so are you saying that someone who's had sex is impure? Are you saying they're like guilty? Like, what are you trying to say here? And there's like all these like positive inferences with being a virgin and then all these negative inferences with being not a virgin, um, which blows my mind, honestly, because most of us, uh, you know, we'll do it before marriage. And even, I mean, it's a personal choice. Even if you want to wait till marriage, it's your own choice. But having all these like expectations that your world will change after you do it is not realistic. Like nothing happens. And that, but the person change, you don't like, you, you know what I mean? I think people then we've hyped up sex a lot. I think like, I mean, I, you know, like we've hyped it to be like this life transforming thing where mm-hmm. it may be if you, if you treat it like that, if you, you, you know, if you put that kind of emphasis on it, that's fine. But I think as, as a society as a whole, we have this expectation that we as a person now change once we've had sex, which mm. I don't think is the case, you know? No, it's not, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but when, when I was introduced to the idea of virginity, have you seen the show Jane the Virgin? Yes, yes. Yeah. So at the start, there's like this, uh, I mean, it's at the start, so no spoilers, but there's this... Um, an analogy which her aunt or someone tells her and um we've got a comment but i might just finish this and then read it um um yeah so her aunt gives her an analogy of of her being like a flower and i forgot what the exact analogy is but it's something like the flower will wilt if you do anything to it so you have to preserve it and keep it as is and if you like try and change anything you're going to ruin your body and yourself honestly that's what i thought for the longest time and when, when i was younger um, also, I was sort of like, I'm going to wait till marriage because of this like purity issue. And like I the whole like bleeding on the sheets thing, I thought was a legit thing. I was like, I'm going to bleed. I'm going to, you know, like do. All th- so I was terrified. of One, I was yeah terrified of sex. Um, secondly, I was. Um, yeah, I guess a bit shameful about it. And sort of I didn't want to ruin my flower um, and I wanted to like save it for the guy or some, some you know, stupid stuff like that. Um, but anyway, um but my yeah my idea of sex changed because of social media and from social media i learned that virginity is a social construct and the whole i think what people 
what most people mean when they say virginity is the hymen and they think that the hymen breaks and that's what causes you to bleed and that is your virginity lost um and that's why i also think virginity is so heavily um i don't know what the correct word is but it's it's only relevant to women and it's because only cis het women have a hymen so you can only you can only judge a woman on her virginity because she will bleed whereas men don't bleed men don't have any like you know you can't really tell if a man is a virgin or not um so i think that's what people think the idea of virginity is but like we discussed in the episode uh, or i think yeah was it the episode yet was um you don't always bleed when you do it and you could break not 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 everyone starts off with like a full hymen anyway and the thing is even if you do it could break because of you know riding a bicycle riding a horse uh running um putting a tampon or like a heavy period like it's just kind of stupid how how much we value and emphasize virginity and sorry um, sorry i don't know whether you have experienced this but with tampons i don't know i think it's somewhat somewhat when i talk to my friends about brown parents and tampons have mm. your were your parents ever weird about you using a tampon <laughs> because my like i just because it's this idea of i think they have this idea and and it might not be explicit my mom's just like oh don't use tampons why you need to use such things like just use the pads is good right but i think there is this nature of like oh my god you're putting something inside you and that might break your hymen and that might affect your like i think they still hold this view of like oh my god like then you know you lose your virginity to a hymen like to a hymen to a tampon <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, <laughs> I think it's a bit. Um, also, someone actually messaged me about this. I forgot who it was, but um, one of the things they said is like, "Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. That is so common. People being scared of tampons because they're scared it'll break their virginity or whatever." Um, but the thing is, tampons are so useful in so many situations. Like when you swim, when you run, well, like when you're doing all these activities, sometimes a pad just doesn't fit right, and it's not. I don't know. It just doesn't work sometimes. Whereas tampons are really. um useful for you know engaging in physical activity you can do so much more with the tampon so anyway it definitely needs to be normalized um we've got a comment i'll read it out um in hollywood teen movies and tv being a virgin is sort of ridiculed and then also having a high body count is shameful so the only safe zone is to have slept with at least one person but not many that's so true i think that it- like i've had this conversation of just being like oh they haven't slept with anyone like what's wrong with them like have they not done anything like they're yeah. like there must be like something wrong or a reason but then if they slept with so many like there must also some be something wrong with them like why do they need to sleep around why can't they keep one person why do they have mm. to do it all the time um it's it's like this weird balance like i think if you had like one good long term relationship and then you had sex with them like okay you're the perfect pinnacle human being ever but i yeah. think that said a good response thing which was saying like um this meaning also changes outside the brown community so yeah i think within the brown community i think at least within families they just prefer like no experience prior to marriage mm-hmm. um but then within like just like our australian like culture like you would be considered a bit strange if you had not no experience and and people have those kind of misperceptions also of i think brown girls or brown boys or things like that i mean if you just like look at the media as well like i think we talked about it in our first um 
episode live. Oh, yeah, live but also like Raj from Big Bang Theory about mm. how they kind of make people I don't know like oh they, he hasn't had any contact with women he's so like sexually deprived and like mm. can't speak to a woman and things like that like there's now connotations associated with um how we speak about sexuality within our own community now outside cultures are like oh what is it like what like you know when they're looking in they're like oh this is what they like brown girls are frigid and they don't do shit and they don't give up so if you were to go for one like don't go for a brown girl like she's mm -hmm. not likely to give it up you know there's all these associations yeah um talking about virginity also reflecting back on the episode i kind of did realize i don't know if you felt this but i definitely felt like oh no, people are going to listen to this. I was like, what happens if my family listened to it? What happens if like my ex-partners listened into this? I'm like, I, and so I, I think I shied away from sharing a lot of my experience. Oh, not that I, I did share enough. Um, no, but I have no experience. What experience? Your mother, auntie might be watching. You have no experience. <laughs> yeah, sex? What's that? What? Um, no, but I did sort of feel like that. So, uh, uh, but then, you know, after I heard it, I was like, there are actually so many relevant experiences which I've had, which I can talk about um, and which, you know, people might relate to, people might not. Um, but one of them is surrounding this idea of virginity. And I hate how much value we put onto it. Like, yeah, like we expect this to be a life changing thing. But um, and even people who think they're progressive, I feel like sometimes when you when you talk about this topic with them, it's sort of like, OK, they're not as progressive as they once thought they were. Um so I have a story about when I had my, uh, well, I had a, a partner or a boyfriend back in high school. And along with the first episode, you know, I hid it from my parents um, because I thought they wouldn't approve. And I had planned on telling them after I graduated year 12. And then we never got to that because they found out earlier. Um, so they found out and it was a terrible, terrible time. Um, honestly, I feel like I'd like repressed those memories because those were dark days. Oh my um, God. I <laughs> idea of having to keep things from your family and like and like just the fear I just I feel I feel I feel for your past self um but yeah like in in the um I guess it's important to be transparent which is why I'm sharing this now um but yeah so I, I had to hide it and it was such a rough time when they found out and like everything just went to shit to be honest um one thing which I and like, honestly, yeah, I've repressed a lot of those memories, but there are some moments which really stick out to me. And this is what, like, these are one of those moments. Um, after we were forced to break up, um, my mom, like, on it, it was bad. Like, anyway, my parents created a scene in front of my friends and, oh, it was, anyway, repressed memories, dark days, we don't talk about that. Um, yeah. Anyway, we came home and, and I feel like parents always say that they care about their kid, right? But what aspects about your kid do you actually care about? Because I was very clearly upset. I was mortified. I was, oh, I just, I was in such a bad space, right? But I remember the conversation my mother had with me and she didn't ask me if I felt it. Obviously the answer was no, but she didn't ask me if I was okay. She didn't ask me how I was feeling. She didn't ask me, you know, anything about how I was mentally what she asked me was, Divya, tell me the honest truth. Did you do anything with that boy? And what she meant by that was, are you still a virgin? Or did you like engage in any sexual activity? And also, did you really think I was going to say yes after like being embarrassed and ashamed about sex? Like all my life you've been told, like you told me this is something to be like shameful of. Did you really think I was going to say, yeah, I did? Like, yeah. come on. 
especially after going through that whole process you're like do i really want to cause more stir and more yeah. like drama and it's like and then that's also a thing like i understand like we said like parents should you know it should be a com- like kids should feel comfortable talking to their parents but also parents aren't entitled to know also what your kid is doing like if you're like you don't you don't own them after you know like once you let them live their life and just be them you don't have ownership over that information you know like that's like you know what i mean like your kid isn't asking you about your sex life like don't <laughs> really, like, it's not sometimes appropriate especially if your child is like uncomfortable with that so sometimes i think parents might think they have like entitlement to get that information and like this is important this is for your future this is for your it's not it's really not no one like if any we don't want to be with anyone who values that over anything exactly 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 and i think like um you know i'm not trying to again call out my own family because i think everyone has a learning curve right like no one starts off perfect um so i definitely think we all learned from that experience but yeah like you know going through that experience i was like wow my mother cares more about my virginity status than my than how i am like i was in such a bad state but you didn't ask me how i was you wanted yeah. to know whether i was still pure like and why is that of value why is that of importance to you i i still don't get it um <laughs> we've got I'm a comment gonna... here yeah 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 so it says did you do anything i feel like brown parents are even scared to say the word sex uh this word doesn't even exist in my house haha <laughs> exactly the fact that she didn't ask me like did you have sex she's like did you do anything with the boy like and also you know i'm not saying whether i did or not but the fact is like even if i had i would not feel comfortable telling my parents that so yeah anyway that's a very very valid point Um oh yeah, yeah no like it's and I I listening back to our episode I realized that sometimes we said like I I think when you said um the Ali bag uh, looking for Ali brandy is that the yeah, yeah. and you yeah. and you had said you were like oh yeah then they went to the bedroom but they didn't do anything like I, we're still and I I swear I probably called the word sex it a hundred times <laughs> I probably was like oh yeah like it as much as we are comfortable to talk about it we still have so much you know unlearning to do with the shame about the word itself you know yeah for sure and also i actually remembered another book which we read before looking for ali brandy i think i might have gotten those two experiences confused we read a book in year 7 called tomorrow when the war began oh i heard about that book was huge right back it's actually that. like a really good book um yeah. but yeah it it had sex scenes in it and year 7 so again everyone else was 13 i was 12 i was 12 and you asked me to read right. a paragraph i'd be so hyped <laughs> sorry my 12 year old ass would be like <laughs> that was like me i don't know i was like i read like books like wild books sometimes i look back and i was like wow like I had like a lot of unlimited access to a lot of things which is also <laughs> some I don't know like it's great that in the same way that like people can access information um because when the curriculum fails them or their parents don't talk about this like they should have every right to you know outsource but at the same mm-hmm. time like because it's accessible so readily you have young people watching really graphic things on Pornhub because it like no one's 
really stopping you you know yeah. and and that's also a concern where when you're still impressionable and you're consuming material that's really graphic it can really warp your perception um growing up which is also kind of a concern like uh, luckily i had like kind of good influences but i could have very much fallen into the trap of some of the books that i read i was like dude this is like toxic bad like this is not how it works and i actually had like also unlearning to do even from books that are meant to be written by female authors for for young women it was still like not really the appropriate model to be setting up for young kids so um it's hard like i don't know what do you, what do you have like a a porn hub kids version <laughs> imagine like no but like, yeah. that's hilarious no <laughs> no but um that's a that's a really valid point right because we talked about porn and we talked about how our experience Oh, um, Dunby's phone has died. That's all I got. So I don't know if she will be joining. I've requested for her to join. Fingers crossed. Okay. Um, anyway, I guess this is some time for us to, for me to check in with you. Um, for any listeners who did tune in to the second episode or even the first, what did you think of it? Did you have any feedback? Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Do you have any experiences to share yourself? Um, yeah. Or what, what would you like to hear from us? Is there anything we could be talking about which, which you want to engage with? Yeah, I don't know if Dunby's going to join. I really hope she will be, but I don't know. It was so, so good. Oh, thank you. What was... Loved it. I told Dunby this, but I feel like these episodes are so important. Thank you. Yeah, well, when me and Thanvi were sort of thinking about the podcast, um, we did we did choose to talk about these topics, knowing that a lot of them are a bit taboo and not everyone will be happy with the things which we say. Um, but we thought it was important to talk about these things um, and sort of share our experiences so that other people can either relate or learn from them. That's the thing. So if we do have any parents tuning in or anyone who does have different opinions to us um it'd be really good to sort of bounce back and forth and sort of learn off each other um and talk about why you know things like dating and sex ed and i mean we'll go on to talk about um you know sexual assault and harassment and body image why these things are so important to talk about um but yeah okay if Thunby doesn't join, I might actually just <laughs> call it a day. Um, but yeah, 100%, you guys are the brown aunties. We need, oh, thank you. I, yeah, like we said in the last episode, I really, really want to be that cool brown auntie. Um, so yeah, I will always try and be like sex positive and encourage people to share their experiences in a safe space because it's important. Um, and I feel like, especially coming from second generation uh immigrant families um we don't really have that safe space well now i feel like a lot of us have changed but some of us still don't have that safe space at home to openly talk about this so if we at least have a community of people who we know are going to be supportive then that's better than nothing 
Um, we've got another. We've got another comment. I think it's always really difficult to talk about in a public setting. So I think it was really freeing to hear y'all talk about it because, in a way, it gives other others like myself um, permission to do the same. Exactly, and that's the whole point, right? You should be talking about your experiences without fear of judgment or, um, you know, any of that sort of any of those negative connotations.、Um, and in case you do have any questions or concerns,、um, especially in regards to sex, like that is. If you don't get those concerns or questions answered, that can lead to a very, very dangerous place. So, you, of course, you know everyone should be able to talk about these things and seek the knowledge、um, to do these things properly. And yeah, I, going back to someone who commented, you know, I hope you guys do an episode about being gay. Unfortunately, like you know, we don't have that experience, so we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to talk about that.、Um, but I imagine I can only imagine that it's. Harder. It's so much more difficult for someone who doesn't even have the support we have, and we have very limited support. So seeking out knowledge about,、um, you know, gay sex or other types of sex is, I I don't know how people do it. I honestly don't.、Um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to talk about someone with those experiences.、Um, we've got another comment. These are vital conversations. So glad you are doing these podcasts. Thank you. Um, what other topics would you love to talk about?、Um, well, actually, me and Tanvi were—we had all these. Oh my God, Tanvi's joined! Yes! Come on, come on, come on! Go live with them! Oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so so sorry. I <laughs> my phone decided to shit itself, so apologies. Totally Can fine. You see me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, so sorry. I, <laughs> I was just I was just answering one question. Um, what other topics would you love to talk about? Well, we were well. I was actually thinking that um, mental health is something which we would love to talk about, and the, obviously mental health is stigmatized across. It permeates like so many cultures and experiences, but. In the brown world, mental health is non-existent. So it'd be really, really lovely to talk about things like that. But that's you know for future us to to figure out. <laughs> You're so iconic, Tanvi. <laughs> I'm just very embarrassed. Okay, I'm. I literally. I okay.、I'll, I'm sorry. Side tangent. I'm just still living in my embarrassed world. Um, but. I like I went I like tried signing in everywhere right and I was like trying to log in and then I just saw like a live of me just going like staring <laughs> like me just like hey I just saw that and I was like oh my goodness and I feel so bad I don't know where you popped up <laughs> my phone I'm so sorry guys anyway sorry did you where were you before I decided to rudely leave. I was literally, I was like, "What do I talk about?" So I was asking these people how they found、uh, the episode and what they wished we could talk about. So, I mean, yeah, we just everyone seemed to love it, which is which is great for us.、Um, and yeah, I was just reading out the question about、um, what we wish to talk about. Is there anything you wish to talk about which we haven't yet, or we're not going to、uh, in this se- series? Um. Yeah, I think you. I just caught it, like popped in when you said mental health. So mental health was.、Um, I think one that I really wanted to talk about, and I wanted to talk about just kind of our experience with identity.、Um, I think that that would be quite interesting. Just having that experience for me, it's been a huge um, factor um,、mm-hmm. growing up. Just having 
trying to manage two different identities, I've found myself having a hard time sometimes. So I think that that would be, you know, like something worthwhile to talk about. But yeah. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, going back well, to I, sex ed though. Yeah. yeah, yeah sorry. I was like, oh, I, I was gonna ask. I was like, let's go back. Because I remember I had just done a whole spiel and then I just got yeeted out of there. So um, you were talking, we were talking about books and we were talking about how accessible um, porn is to young people. And I think you were replying to what I was saying I, and I left. So what were you saying about, um, I was joking about having a porn hub for kids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, um, I don't know if people actually heard because I, I feel like I just ranted and hoped that people were still listening because I could still, still see the numbers. But anyway, I'll just repeat okay. myself. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually think it's um, really, really important to have accessible feminist porn which unfortunately is not there at the moment and the fact that like um you know Pornhub like that website is the most used uh porn website in the world and um and also like also Pornhub like the organization apparently do some really incredible things like I know they had some like oh. charity events and um I think that I I might be wrong about this but I think there was that like um, Flint water crisis in America and the government was doing nothing about it and mm. Pornhub stepped up and like donated like millions of dollars to it um, so the organization <laughs> well, yeah the organization itself might be like relatively good but the thing is the, the content on the website is not uh, feminist friendly at all it's not, it's not feminist um, a lot of the times it's degrading it's insulting to women and the thing is it's the most accessible porn site. So when people, especially young people who want to learn about these things, Google things and like, you know, like start watching this stuff, it, it becomes like you subconsciously sort of, I don't know, like soak it up. So, yeah. Um, and, and then the thing is like you, when you do end up, you know, in that situation where you, you know, you're going to have sex, um, you what you think about the other person's pleasure is solely formed from what you've seen so you might be like oh yeah if i like slap her she'll like it or like something like that which could be really really degrading and really damaging to a lot of women um so yeah i think feminist porn sites exist they do exist mm. but they need to be accessible if they're paid no teenager is going to go up to their mom and ask them for money to subscribe to a feminist porn site like that's not going to happen and and I think, uh, I, I know that, like, the issue, I think the, there's a there's a, probably a cohort of people who are likely, I don't know, likely engaging in poor or, like, I don't know, what am I trying to say? Engaging in acts that are awful based on what they've seen from Pornhub. And this is not me, I don't know for sure, but it's likely that those people also probably don't want to associate with the feminism movement, you know? So if that's, if that's like our Venn diagram, you have people who, you know, think that Pornhub is everything's legitimate and real and, and women want to be slapped around. And, and they also are like, I don't really want to associate with the feminist movement. They're not going to really do that transition because if, things are ad advertised to them as feminist porn they're gonna be mm. like no like i what what feminist porn like what is it like some girl marching like whilst having sex mm. like they they don't i don't know I, they'll just not know what what it is 
and I think they'll just be like, oh no, that's not for me. That's for women. Because again, there's this whole notion that feminism is only for women and things like that. Anyway, so I think that that's also an issue with like the branding of it and whether Pornhub, like as as the main site, like needs to step up its game, you know, like mm-hmm. needs to have more controls and have more, you know, air. I don't know, just like, yeah, more um yeah literally yeah oversight oversight. i think oversight yeah that's what yeah yeah i think they need to have more oversight also the fact that like i've I've heard of um well actually yeah i don't know how easy it is to upload a video on pornhub no experience in that field um but but i've heard of like nudes being leaked on on Mm. these sorts of websites and like videos that people have secretly taped being uploaded onto these websites and the fact that you as an organization allow that to be on your site i mean you're taking ownership of that material so you should know what's in that material and you should definitely remove it if it's not appropriate like i just feel like having this sort of like anyone can upload anything Mm. and the majority of it is not going to be friendly to women I mean, it, it feeds into this whole cultural problem of, of misogyny. And um, yeah, and like, and also I think it's worth mentioning when we, we gave examples of like, if I'll slap her, she'll like it. Some people might be into that. I'm not saying that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly fine, right? But the fact is you need to have a balance of these things. Um, mm. And you need to, like, even even if you do do things like that, there needs to be consent. You need to make sure that the other person is enjoying it and getting pleasure from it. And I, think, and I think that's, like, also really unfair. Like, I think sometimes BDSM communities have been, you know, I don't know, m- misrepresented as, like, this kind of group. You can probably blame Fifty Shades of Grey and things like that. And it's, like, I'm pretty sure in those communities, they prioritize consent more over than anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, slapping someone around without their consent, I don't think that that would, you know, ride in those, you know, people who, who do practice BDSM and who do enjoy it. I, don't, I think that there is so much um, conflation with um, misperceived, like, sex activities um, mm-hmm. with, with negative ideas like we're like oh you know bdsm is like bad and wrong and this and that and non-feminist and things like that like i think feminism first and foremost thinks that women should have agency over what they want to do you know Mm. and and choose how they want to you know be treated and i mean and being treated in the bedroom in terms of in that one space where people are free to explore their sexuality and and their kinks and things like that 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 doesn't make you non-feminist for enjoying that as well. I think there's sometimes people have notions about that, but I think what what you do in the bedroom versus how you are treated as a citizen of the country and how how you were respected and treated with dignity, I don't know whether that's like yeah. always They're- I don't know. Yeah. They're two very different things. And like, people can have preferences in, in the bedroom, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a good or bad person outside like I mean, I don't know, there's, there's a private sphere and a public sphere. And sometimes, exactly. yeah, and like, you know, you, you may be the same between both, or you may be like wildly different. Both of those are okay as well. Um, but I want to go back to the cultural side, like the mm. intersection between sex and culture. And um, I'm actually not too sure. I come from a Hindu faith. Is that the same with you, Tanvi? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm... I wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> but okay, so... India, India, or like South Asia, is known as where the Kama Sutra was 
born, right? Like we are the inventors of Kama Sutra. We made that shit. Yeah, <laughs> and the rest of the world, especially the Western world, has benefited from from what we've written. Um, and the Kama Sutra is. Um, I did like a tiny little research project on it in high school um, or high school or university. I can't remember, but um, oh, I can't read like the original script that it's written in. But from what I could gather, it's actually incredibly progressive and inclusive. And the Kama Sutra is not all about sex. It actually talks about all aspects of life. Um, but one of those aspects of life is life in the bedroom. And it talks about sex and like reading up on it, it was actually so interesting to read up upon because it not only, you know, it's not only like a guide to how to do it. It's, it also talks about being asexual. Not everyone, you know, has the same sex drive as you. Um, it also talks about um, non-heterosexual relationships and how, um, uh, you know, like women and women can, can engage in sexual activity and same with men and men. And you can have groups of people. And as long as it's consensual, it's fine. Um, so it talks about all these things in such a matter-of-fact way. And it also, what I think the point of the Kama Sutra was, was that all these things are normal. Um, feeling sexual excitement, I think is how the English translation was at least, feeling these like feelings is normal. And it's human nature. And you will want, well, you know, um, unless you are asexual or something like that, but most people will want to engage in, in these acts and we shouldn't be so shameful around these things because otherwise we're not going to learn. And as I think the Kamasutta also said it's healthy to go through these things. It's a healthy, natural phenomenon. Um, so to think that, you know, we, like we wrote this and then our culture is so conservative. Like what? I know. I don't know why, like, why that's like totally just glossed over the fact that our culture is known for creating one of the like fabulous fabulousest fabulousest um sex books ever um and we're still so i don't know backwards minded about it you know and 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 that's the thing to even say backwards minded doesn't even make sense because go back to history and we've written a book that back eons ago we knew we knew oh i love unrace is just like colonialism which is such an aspect it's true yeah but the fact that we've also maintained it and it really it like upsets me that we now have this like like we have the knowledge of the influence that this is having over us and i think we're making of course right steps and it's very difficult to you know just you know cut off the effects of colonialism like that especially because since it wasn't really that long ago, you know, that we were mm. over British's rule. So, but I, I think it's now, it's like, okay, well, we need to make, like, active change in how we talk about it, in, in yeah, and in how we treat others when it comes to sharing sexual experiences and things like that. And I had asked you, Divya, I was like, oh, did, did the Kama Sutra, like, talk about different sexualities and things like that? And you were like, yeah. Yeah, it did. And I think, um, yeah, I think that comment is 100% on the money. Colonialism, the fact that, you know, um, I don't, well, yeah, I think that I think you were right. You said it was an aspect of it. It, it is an aspect. It's not the only aspect, because mm -hmm. even when the Kama Sutra was written, it was written by a very specific group of people um, being Brahmin. And so, like, there was definitely, there were definitely other issues which needed mm -hmm. to be talked about. And, like, there were definitely barriers even before colonialism to break down. But yeah, col col 
colonialism has had such a massive impact on the way we view our own culture and that's really sad to think about the fact that we like we used to be once upon a time more progressive than we are now and we've gone back in time because we've been brainwashed i guess to believe that what these people taught us is true and that's how we should live life mm-hmm. um yeah it is it is really sad to think about actually yeah um, but, but yes yeah. to have a hopeful note i don't know i just wanted to talk uh, briefly also um cuz after we recorded the episode i i think the third season of sex education came out and i was so happy and excited so i definitely recommend for people to watch that show if they haven't um because it's such a good show um and in a way it gives me like kind of hope about this discussion and about i don't know i just felt so validated watching that show i think there was one um scene i think i sent it to you divya about how different the girls and boys conversation about sex was and um like boys were just kind of being taught like oh my god have you ever had like an unwanted boner like that sucks and then um and then in the girls classroom it was like don't get pregnant stay abstinent pregnancy ruined my life here's a video of me having a baby and it teared my freaking body apart and we're now scared we have so much fear associated with with sex with the outcomes of sex with pregnancy with everything it's just like it is the worst thing to ever happen um and yeah but like and then suddenly we're meant to do that switch we're meant to not want to have sex at all to suddenly being like you're having a baby soon like you got to have a child like i don't know when again that switch is meant to happen probably mm. around the same time that suddenly our parents decide arranged marriage is appropriate but yeah yeah um so that actually yeah actually sex ed i love that show i haven't seen the latest season i you know what i was thinking about it yesterday i was like should i binge watch it and then i was like no <laughs> i can't do that like, i got work to do <laughs> yeah i mean like i i probably could but no um So yeah, I didn't. Um but I love that show. But um oh my god, I was going to talk about something else which I forgot. So oh yeah, oh, talking about how um the timeline of like when our parents expect us to get an arranged marriage somehow coincides with that like switch which we meant to have between not wanting a kid and being fearful of pregnancy to then suddenly wanting a family. Um I read this thing online and it actually really made me sad and it was talking about a lot of women's well ethnic and actually this can be any woman um and like pe- women's experiences with getting married and not having the proper knowledge or um the resources and access to methods of contraception which meant that they had kids before they were ready and mm. if you don't have access and like also i don't know if we really want to touch on this topic because it is something which people get really really emotional about but abortion right mm. if if abortion is not um available or accessible that's not going to stop like if a woman doesn't want a kid she's going to try unsafe methods of getting rid of the pregnancy or terminating the pregnancy and that again could lead to disastrous outcomes she could end up losing her life or being you know or injuring herself um so anyway that's I'll put that to the side because I don't know if anyone can talk about that but um but yeah if you don't have the edu- like it's a combination of all these things first you need to know that there are contraception methods out there so there's education then there's like the actual products 
you need to live in an area which has those products readily available. That is money. You need to have the money to purchase those products. Then it's like the cultural, like your fat, like somehow you need to get out of the house and go to the store and buy that product and use it. So you need a supportive environment to be able to do that and get out and do it. Um, anyway, if you don't have any of those, like if you don't have one of those things or any of those things, then you're going to end up with a pregnancy, which we may not be ready for. And there, uh, there was something online, which I wish I'd saved actually, but it was about um, women who generations before us would have had kids when they were not ready. And how, how terrifying is that being like our age, like early twenties, most of the time um, nowadays it's, it's a, a bit older, but being in your twenties and having a kid when you're not ready, that is the most terrifying thing for me to think about. Yeah, and like, and then a component of that is the prospect of the society, the broader community, how they're gonna treat me. You know, like, and and yeah, like I'm I'm now known as someone other than Dunby. I'm known as someone who had a child too early, or had a child outside of marriage, or this or that had sex like oh my god you know did you know this girl had sex blah like you no longer become someone of your own you know yeah just of your on your own you now are someone that is labeled by something that happened to you because you didn't actually receive the knowledge or resources to to go about that act safely and like and that's the thing, like, I think they think, okay, if we don't give them the knowledge or the resources, we just tell them to avoid it, that works. And that just doesn't, like, as if you're expecting people to not have desires, to not want to explore those desires. You know, it's it's really harmful. What you said actually made me think, I feel like women have been groomed. You don't tell them what's going to happen. They get married not knowing what's going to happen. They have sex because they do. Um, and then that results in a pregnancy and they don't know what to do about that pregnancy. They don't know about contraception methods. They don't know like anything about how to deal with that pregnancy. Then they have a kid. And also then it's sort of like, especially in like more conservative households, it's the woman's job to take care of the kid. So then you're stuck. I mean, like, I hope, I hope no one listening had this experience, but you're stuck with this kid you, you might not want. So it's like, I've got this baby and I'm expected to be its primary caretaker. What do I do? I don't even like it. I don't want a kid, but I've got one. Like, <laughs> no, but yeah, that's like, I'm, and that's like such an unfortunate scenario for people to end up in. Um, and it's and and not only pregnancy being the outcome just like stds and all these other things that could very much likely occur and no one really knows what that's like you know what mm. precautions to take really because people are just scared to you know get tested they're scared to um they don't know they don't have the um, access to get condoms or things but like so it's just yeah it's like an unfortunate situation to be in when when you don't have any information regarding how you can prevent um, pregnancies and STDs mm. yeah anyway I do think this is a conversation which we could talk about for days um, literally and but I, I think I, it's... Yeah, I think I think we've been going at it for an hour and especially because we got some more news to share if you want to <laughs> share it with whoever's here right now 
Yeah. Well, actually, I was going to say, so we do have some warnings about this week, but it's actually good that we will be continuing this conversation next week. So our next episode is actually um, an interview with a sexual health professional, Dr. Jenny Lung. Um, so, yeah, she's a woman of color and she uh, will will be interviewing her. And so um, definitely stay tuned for that episode. We hope that that'll be more informative and, um, you know, we'll we'll impart more knowledge <laughs> um, than just us talking about our experiences. Um, yeah. But yeah, we actually didn't have more news for this week. Then we do you want to take it away? Yes. So we have Shilpa from Glow Reel. So Glow Reel is a, um, I think, a newsletter that is addressing um, BIPOC issues and kind of just giving representation to BIPOC women, which is really amazing. So we've been in contact with Shilpa, and it would be great this week um, to if you could all come and tune in this Thursday, as we're going to go live with Shilpa and have kind of a chat about some of the topics that we spoke about today but also just um the importance of representation of BIPOC women and um kind of just talking a bit more about what Glow Reel does and what our podcast does and just kind of giving um our listeners some more resources um to receive more BIPOC related content which I think is really important because there can never be too much (laughs) yeah we are so unrepresented that any representation is is welcome (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. that'll be this Thursday at 6.30. So please tune in then um, and you'll probably see us promote it in the meanwhile as well. Um, but mm-hmm. also, yeah, check out Glow Reel um, to get a little taste of what they're all about before you tune in. Yeah. Alrighty. I think that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. I uh, hope that this was insightful or that you learned something or that you were able to relate to what we spoke about and we'll see you next monday oh actually we'll see you thursday with shilpa then monday for our next episode and then same time next week for our next after dark live we're just we're releasing content guys (laughs) we are we're in your feed always okay this has been fun so much for tuning in Alrighty, bye bye